Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends and welcome to The Happy Hour. My name is Jamie Ivey and I'm your host this week and every single week. And let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. Today is episode 48 and I have a fabulous show for you. If it's your first time to the happy hour, I want to say welcome. The happy hour is a show where each week I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show and we literally talk about what we would talk about if we met for happy hour together. We talk about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between and you get to be a part of it. Now most of you probably know that I love to support social businesses and one of my favorites is an Austin-based ethical lifestyle and fashion brand, Raven and Lily. They are dedicated to empowering women through design, supporting over a thousand artisans across eight countries, including Ethiopia, India, Pakistan, and even here in the U.S. These partnerships offer sustainable employment and a living wage. If you ever visit Austin, they have a storefront here off East Manor, and you can go shop their beautiful clothing, jewelry, and accessories and home goods, or just find them online. It's ravenandlily.com, and that's Lily with one L, ravenandlily.com. And right now, they have a special coupon code for you. To get 15% off your order, use the code IV15HH. That's for the happy hour. So go check out Raven and Lily. I love them. And also Kirsten, the creator of Raven and Lily, will be joining me in a couple weeks. But today's guest is my friend Susie Davis. And Susie is a fellow Austinite. In fact, she was born and raised here, whereas I translated here seven years ago. But her and her husband, Will, have raised three kids. They planted a church here. She's an author and a speaker. And she's just one of the most delightful people I've ever met. You will for sure leave this conversation encouraged. You will also laugh and have fun, but she will encourage you to step out of living in fear. We had such a great conversation about her new book, Unafraid, where she talks about living a life full of fear and how God kind of helped her get out of that. And so I hope that you're really going to enjoy this. Guys, I want to say thank you to a couple people who left comments over on iTunes. Gina Mayfield recently said this. She said, I love the happy hour. I found new people to follow on social media challenged me to read more, and has given me a love for podcasts. This podcast has given me advice on motherhood, challenges me to be a better wife, friend, and follower of Christ, and has made me want to give my life away more to causes that have no voice. So thank you, Jamie, for sharing your friends with us. Gina, thank you for leaving that comment, and thank you for listening. I love everybody I get to share with you. Okay, the next one is from, I'm just going to say it like it looks, Babby. They said this, I just discovered this podcast about three weeks ago when Emily Lex came on the show and I've been binge listening to this entire podcast ever since. I feel as if I'm around the table with them eating chips and salsa, talking about Jesus and life. I've been sharing this podcast on my blog and with all my girlfriends. Y'all subscribe. Jamie is amazing. Thanks so much for that comment. My favorite thing in the world is to bring women on here that get to tell about their life because I feel like women love to hear other people's women, other people's stories. And so that's what we get to do here. So guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with your friends. And here is my conversation with Susie Davis. Thanks for doing coming on the happy hour with me. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. So wonderful. How's your day so far? <laughs> really good. I got my car clean for the first time in like six months. So I feel super accomplished. Are you a car cleaner? Like, do you like clean cars? 
I love clean cars. And my dad always had a clean car for me growing up. Like he just taught me to do that. Uh And then when I got out on my own, forget it. I mean, I just, I really wish I had that value um, in my life, but I feel like it's like this huge effort to get to the car wash or just go do it myself and, you know, water rationing, blah, blah, blah. So my car's dirty all the time. Yeah. I am the kind of person who will leave stuff in the car all the time. Oh and yeah, so it's a then closet. it just builds up. Yes, and then Aaron gets in the car, and he—I can see it. It like he starts like breaking down to a sweat, and yeah. he starts moving things and throwing things away. And it's like I wanted to yell, "Kids, hurry! He's gonna throw all your stuff away." Uh, he hates it. Yeah, I, Will doesn't really dig it either. He has a Jeep, so he has the doors off all the time. So nothing's ever in his car. So he doesn't understand why I have like bags in the very back right. of my CRV. It's yeah. just, it's a small closet. Aaron just doesn't, he doesn't have four kids with him all the time either. There you go. Aaron has a Jeep too. I didn't know your husband had a Jeep as well. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, I don't know if it's an Austin thing or a guy thing, but Will loves his. So does Aaron. Mm-hmm. It's like his thing. Yeah. He loves it. <laughs> it's a sign of manliness. I guess. I don't know. Sportiness or yeah. something. <laughs> I like it um, as well. But sometimes in the summer, I'm like, let's just take my car. Like, oh, yeah. it's just hot. It's really hot. It is. It's fun when it's like 65 and... Yeah, the four days in the spring and four days in the fall. It's awesome. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Susie, you're here in Austin with me as well. And I want to tell everybody how we first met. Because I remember when we first met. I don't know if you do or not. I'm thinking I well, do, but tell me we'll the story. We'll see if it's the same. <laughs> Um, I think everyone, if you've listened to my show, all the shows or know anything about me, you know, I was in radio for like four months, six months, whatever. But when I first got my job, like literally like maybe the first or second week, there was some kind of radio award show night and the, my co-host on the show was like, you need to come with me. So I'm like, okay. So I went and you were there. Okay. I, well, where, where were we? I don't even know. I don't know. Somewhere downtown at a hotel. Right. Oh, I'm having a memory. But I don't even think you were even working at the radio. I know you weren't. I wasn't? I don't think so. Why would I have shown up? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Maybe you were. Yeah, I must this have been. This was in 2000 and my kids came home in 2010, 2011 or 12, 11, I, I think. Yeah, I don't go to extraneous radio presentations at hotels. I can't imagine, but maybe I did. Maybe Maybe I a friend know. of yours was winning or something. Maybe. I really think, I remember that because I was so nervous and I did not know what to wear and I was completely underdressed. Oh my gosh. I just remember feeling like <laughs> this is the worst. You know, I don't know anyone. I'm new in this industry and I show up completely underdressed. No, not at How could you be underdressed? No, I promise. Radio? It was weird. And so, but I remember I met you and you were just so nice to me and welcoming and I thought, okay, I can do this. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really glad I was friendly and fabulous. Oh, so (laughs) tell everyone. Okay, so I already introduced you, but you're an author, pastor's wife, mom, um, speaker, but you worked in radio. I did. I um, actually, that was a funny story. I was, I went in, someone was interviewing me about a book I'd written, and I went in, and the host was there, Gary Walsh, and then it was, Randy Phillips was interviewing me. He brought me into the studio to talk about loving your man without losing your mind. And I, you know, had the interview. We had fun. We laughed a lot. And I left. And Gary, the um, 
program director and the morning show has called me and was like, Hey, would you consider uh, being on the morning show? Because the co-host that I was with is moving to a different station. And I was like, I don't think you understand. Like, I, I don't understand how to do that. And I'll say the wrong things. Uh-huh. And he was like, yeah, I know. It'll be great. And I was like, well, okay then. And so that was really how I rolled That's into hilarious. it. That's hilarious. You and I kind of yeah. got in radio the same way, like accidentally. Totally accidentally. Uh-huh. And I loved it. Did you love it? I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I had no idea that I would love it. And I my situation was different than yours, whereas things at the station I was working at were not as well. I didn't know this going in. And yeah. everything kind of fell apart um, shortly mm-hmm. after I left. Um, not because I left. Oh, my gosh. Because it was on its way down. But um, the people I worked with were great. And they now have a new show and are doing fabulous. But it was my first time. And I really thought, I love this. Yeah. How long it's, did you do it? I was on air for almost three years. Okay. Yeah. And how and, old were your kids? Because that was what was so yeah. hard for me. Well, okay. My children were like, I think, I'm trying to think. My youngest was maybe a freshman. Okay. And then then my my next daughter was probably a junior or senior in high school. And then my son was already in college. So it was a big difference. I mean, for me, that was kind of the clincher is that my kids were older and will – Stayed home until our youngest went to school uh-huh. with his sister. Because um, that morning time with my kids is just, it was so important. And when you're on the radio on a morning show, you're out the door at like 6.15 yeah. or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so for us, it was it was good because um, he was able to be home with them mm-hmm. instead of them just kind of walking out the door yeah. by themselves, which... Yeah. It's probably fine, but felt weird at the time. Yeah, I can see with older kids, it would have been so much easier for me because I was leaving. Um, I left the house at five fifteen, yeah, and I was leaving. Only one of my kids was in school, I think, and the oh, others like wow. I had babysitters and Aaron travels a lot, so then we'd have people showing up at my house. I mean, it was so difficult with little kids. Yeah. I can see if my kids were in high school, they could get themselves up and drive themselves to school. It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, it yeah. was hard. Don't you think that's just the constant struggle of motherhood is is assessing your opportunities and um, looking at kind of the dreams that you have for your life personally and then, you know, integrating that into who you are as a mother and a wife. That's really hard. It's so difficult. And in fact, I mentioned I was only in radio for like four months um, because it was such a hard transition for me. And my kids from Haiti had only been home about a year, two years. Yeah. And so we were still struggling at home with a lot of stuff. But you know what? I remember telling Aaron one time when I was really feeling this tension, like, I think I need to leave this job. It was the first time I'd worked outside of the home since we had kids on a regular, like working outside on a regular basis. And I remember telling him just through tears, like, it's not fair. I finally found something that I love and it makes me feel alive. And I have to choose between my family and what makes me feel so alive. And on one hand, my family makes me feel alive as well. I mean, don't get me wrong about that. But it was such a hard decision, and I don't regret it one bit. It was the best thing in that for that. It was the best thing in our season. But I remember feeling like this isn't fair, right? Aaron, I, doesn't, I, Aaron doesn't have to make this choice. Why do I have to make this? You know, that's what I remember <laughs> feeling that tension, and I've worked through that, and I'm completely fine with it. But I remember that feeling. I'm just like, this isn't fair. 
Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think that I remember all, okay. So growing up, I just wanted to be a mom. I, all I wanted to do was be a mom. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, Will and I got married. We were high school sweethearts, got married and had kids pretty early. And I remember I had babies at home. My oldest, Will was probably, he was probably like four years old and Emily was one and feeling like I, I would never, ever, um, do those things God planted in my heart. Like I would never get to do those big God dreams mm-hmm. that he just, that I knew he put there yeah. and feeling that same kind of struggle. Someone once used the analogy of your, it's like th- there's a beach ball in the ocean and you, you know, like the beach ball represents your dream and you keep trying to push it down and then it pops up someplace else. And just this tension of, of trying to manage the passion and the yeah. dream in your heart and this, really big, important job and fulfilling job of mothering. Right. And and everything that comes with it that you don't know is coming when you're a new mom. You don't know how exhausted you'll be and how it just taxes you physically. Yeah. And then when they get a little older, you're taxed emotionally yes. by their development. And spiritually, and then, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, you know what's beautiful? I've I've thought about this more and more, and I'm rereading Gift, um, Gift from the Sea, Um by Anne Mara Lindbergh. And it's a really, really good read. I don't know if you've read it, but um, she, she wrote the book in the fifties and she is talking about the same tension Mm. of being a mother and having, she was a writer and having these, you know, these struggles, these internal struggles that are, I think, uniquely female in some ways, Um, uniquely, I guess, unique to to being a mother. But um, it, Reading her book just made me settle in and realize, and now having children who are young adults, like yeah. our youngest is 22, um, there is time for those dreams. Mm-hmm. And if God, I, I guess for me, I'm on the backside. I've got 25 years of of knowing that it doesn't happen instantaneously, and it might look really different than what I expected, yeah. but there's time for those dreams. Mm-hmm. and. I think I look at my daughter Emily, who just got married. She's twenty-five, and I feel like she has so many opportunities that I didn't even have when I was her age mm-hmm. to not to do it all. No one can, but to embrace mothering wholeheartedly, and then, if desired, have these other things like you and I are talking mm-hmm. about that come up that we're able to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it's funny that we're talking about this. I just said to Aaron this last week, I looked at and and after I quit my job, after I quit the radio, about a year later, I had almost an opportunity to go back with some different people, and I really wanted to do it. It was a hard decision, um, and then it just didn't work out. But I told Aaron, I said, I'm so glad I didn't do that, um, yeah, because I really love what I'm getting to do now with my podcast. Because I feel like God showed me how much I love something, mm-hmm. and then. I kind of got pulled away a little bit and I realized that my family needed me a lot. And then look, I mean, four years later, I get to do this. Yes. I think that's funny, Jamie, because I really think God trains me. Like he, he gives me these jobs, like literally, this is funny, before, <laughs> um, I didn't even know how to open a Word doc before I wrote my first <laughs> book. I'm not joking. And I was working for a friend of mine, Vicki Courtney, who uh-huh. had this ministry 
And I will never forget her. She'd already written a book, and she was like, okay, Susie, here's how you do it. Like, open it up, and here's how you edit. And Because someone had asked me for a sample chapter, and I was like, I don't even know how to open a Word doc. Right. <laughs> but it's, I felt like God, you know, he gives me these jobs to prepare me for the next thing. Yeah. And I always think the thing is the thing. You uh-huh. know, like, oh, radio's the thing. Right. And then you find out, no, it's not really the thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's a journey, and, and I'm going to give you something even better than radio. Yeah. I love that. Which this is better than radio. I don't have to get up at five in the morning. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. I was <laughs> I felt like I was always so tired. And it's not like but it's not like I could I could have gone to bed earlier, but oh no. no. I'm still well, living the same life. Yeah. Well you wanna live that yeah. you know, you yeah. wanna live that crazy radio life. Uh, wow. Well, I'm so glad that I met you because we have now crossed paths several times and it's just a joy to know you and see all that you're doing. Oh, thanks. And I feel the same about you. And it's so fun we're in Austin. I know, which is the best city in the world. Yeah, I hate to say it, but it is. <laughs> I know. A friend texted me um, like just yesterday, and she was like, if you had to pick one city to move to in Texas, where would you pick? And I was like, uh, Austin. Right. But don't come because everybody's moving here. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> I read please. the other day that like 164 people moved to Austin a day. I, well, can't you feel it? Yes. It's okay, crazy. let's just say that Austin's really too crowded right now. It's not even fun. And right, you've been Jamie? here your whole life. I mean, so <laughs> born you and raised. definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. only lived here seven years. So I'm a, oh, I'm a newly okay. transported person. Yeah, Will and I both are born and raised, and it has changed crazy, crazy, crazy. But it still has that fun Austin feeling, which yeah. is the reason why people love to visit. It's why y'all moved away and came back. Yeah, we were just gone for three years, um, seminary. And Fort Worth was a cute, fun place to live, but there's nothing like Austin. Okay, so Susie, I read your newest book this summer. So you have a new book out called Unafraid. Right. um, Trusting God in an Unsafe World. Mm -hmm. And I think I texted you this, that um, Aaron calls me. What does he say? He says I have... um, what does he say? Worst case scenario disease, WCSD. He's like, because I always will imagine the worst case thing happening. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not, it is something that's kind of laughable, but I definitely, um, God has definitely grown me in it, but I definitely still feel the tension in my soul. And so, for example, we'll be in a movie theater enjoying our time and I will all of a sudden start wondering if someone's going to come in here and do something awful like we've seen on the news and I try and fight it and fight it and fight it. And sometimes I fight it well. And sometimes I literally don't even know what the movie's about because my my soul is so at unrest and I'm just, I can't fight it. Um, so reading your book was so good for me. And I read it on a boat all summer. We were on a boat for a week with my kids and I'm a worrier on the boat. So it's it was so ironic that I was reading this book while my children were, you know, doing crazy things on boats, but it was good for me. Yeah. I I call myself a, a former fear and I, yes. I still feel the tension. I mean, um, my kids, so my 22 year old and my husband are hiking right now in Colorado doing the 14ers, a few of them. Mm-hmm. And if I let myself, yeah. I could totally try to hypermanage their trip mm-hmm. and, or I could just totally not enjoy my time alone. Yeah. And, um, just because God is such a good father to me, I've, and, be, and because he took such a good long time teaching me um, how to be free, um, I'm able to like go, oh, I'm so glad Will and Sarah up there 
having some good time together, you know, and I'm so grateful that I'm sitting here watching (laughs) yellow finches flood the backyard and my house is quiet, but it was a long, hard battle for me. I, um, you know, I just, I think that, you know, in a nutshell, the enemy looks for a stronghold. And for me, I was, I was always a sensitive kid, a creative kid. And, and then, um, i I, I heard about Jesus at 12, and then at 14, um, I witnessed a murder in my high school, or my junior high, which you read about. Yeah. And um, my neighbor and a classmate, someone who was not scary at all to me, um, there was no warning. And this was way before school shootings. That's but, what, I mean, when I read this, I'm like, I never knew this about Susie. And it's, we're not giving anything away. It's on the first page. Oh, um, yeah. But I was like thinking, this is way before Columbine. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's oh, the yeah. first school shooting I can remember. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we could list off several now, but I I literally read it and was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine what, I mean, you were young. Yeah, I was 14. 14, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that fear, you know, really found a place, it, it, the weird part about fear is that you you start trusting fear to keep you safe. You mm. think if you are doing, you know, like you're sitting in the theater and doing worst case scenarios and looking for exits, that that's actually going to keep you safe. Right. You feel as though you have control. You think you have you control. You think you do because which is, yeah, which is a false. big fat <laughs> yes. dog joke. Like, yeah, exactly. That's just like the funniest thing in right. life. Yeah. And so for me, that that's what I started feeling like, yeah, that God had let me down and I, I you know, I was hurt by it. And, but I still respected and loved him, and I was a little bit fearful mm-hmm. um, of him in a you know reverent way. But I was extremely, I was very aware that the world was an unsafe place. Yeah. And so it was my job to take care of myself, which becomes a very big job very quick yeah. because there's just so much crap. Am I allowed to say that on your show? I, I said a bad I word once, and so okay. yes, you can say it's crap. crap. It's mm-hmm. a kind of a mediocre bad word yeah. in my world. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, there's just a lot of stuff in the world and so you you think that you can somehow protect and and you know I was, I was having panic attacks mm-hmm. at 16 I didn't know there were panic attacks and then I had an eating disorder which was my attempt to control the world uh, through food and which is weird it doesn't even make sense but if you're a fearer you get it yeah. you know because fear infects your life in weird ways mm-hmm. you become a freak and you don't think you're a freak you think you're safe but then when I had kids, Jamie. Oh, I can't that, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, dear God, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take care of, of my baby as well as myself. Yeah. And that's when I went into hyperdrive. Yeah. And I think just thinking out loud through this about what we're hearing your struggle and some of the things that were a result of that with the um, the eating and all that kind of stuff, it makes me think that when someone is so fearful, it is a lot about control. Yes. If I can control the scenario, if I can control that my kids will always be taken care of, if I can control that my husband will never leave me, yeah. all of those control things, and then you feel like, well, then I don't have anything to fear because I'm in control and I would never choose for something bad to happen. Well, it, it's funny. What happens is it becomes super legalistic and you start thinking if you follow all the rules, then nothing bad mm, will happen. Yeah. And then And then you get some sense of, which is weird, but you get pride over the fact that you're managing things well. 
Um, and you don't realize that you're a drill sergeant with your children, you know, and that you're a freak and a weirdo. <laughs> and yeah. because you think that it's, you're doing the right thing and you're mm-hmm. being a good and caring person by being this super freak. Right. But, um, but you have no joy. You have no peace. You just have a lot of stomach aches and migraines and yeah. you can't sleep at night or sit in a movie theater mm-hmm. and enjoy, yeah. you know, and I mm-hmm. get it because, you know, the, it's unfortunately there's just a lot of violent things happening in the world. Although I don't think we live in a more violent time at all. I mean, I historically, Jamie, we live in like I mean, we're very pampered in the United States. Right. We're we're we have a a huge bubble around our lives mm-hmm. and our kids' lives. Yeah, and yet we're like more stressed out than our grandparents were. Yeah, it's true. It's true. When you even in this day, not even looking like how the world has been. In you know previous centuries, even this day and age around the world, our children are safer. Oh gosh, than yeah. they are, yeah, yeah. And so we have a warped sense of safety. That's we good, have a yeah. warped, a warped sense of what the world's supposed to look like, and then we're trying to hypermanage it and tell God that He's yeah. He's not mm-hmm. really up to the task. You know, yeah. I remember, and and like I said, I mean, Aaron was traveling for everyone when we had little kids, and God has just been so gracious to grow me so far in this. Um, I remember I had a girlfriend, my friend Angela, she wrote a blog post one time and I've heard her say this and it has stuck with me forever. She said, take the, the worst thing, you know, like the worst thing, like one of my kids getting cancer and sick and then eventually dying. That'd be an awful thing to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But she said, take that and go all the way to the end. Take it to the extreme. My kid dies. What is still true about God? And I remember thinking that and I was like, that was so reassuring for me because I'm like, even if this happens, it doesn't change anything about God, nothing. And that actually has been really good for me because it makes me realize that even if those things happen, I can still trust him because it doesn't change his character what happens. Yeah. Um, And I, and I think that it, it's, it's, it, that's true. It is true. But when you're a fear, you're just like, it, it, it takes a lot of processing to figure out. And the, the worst thing someone can say to you is just don't be afraid. My husband said all the time, just stop being a freak. Don't be afraid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jesus can say that to me, but not you, please. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'll hear it from God, but not from my husband. Um, but yeah, it's kind of looking at, I think for me, for a long time, I just tried to push down what happened. And instead of pushing down, you know, what happened, God needed to heal it, mm-hmm. which is a painful process. So you talk about witnessing the shooting when you were 14. And right. that is what created what was probably already in you, this this fear um, mm-hmm. and trying to manage that forever. And you say you call yourself that you are a former fear. Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm a former fear. Okay, so like when did alcohol. you feel like that transition took place? Well, the starting point was when I I got post-traumatic stress disorder when I was like in my mid-20s. And you had children? Oh, yeah. I had two kids Uh at the time and literally felt like my brain was breaking apart. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I really felt like I was having a massive breakdown and I would never be normal again. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And God flooded over my life a verse and it's Psalm 22, 3 and it's David. He's he's crying out to God in verse 1 and 2, and he says, you know what, God, I cry out to you, and you, and you don't hear me. You don't answer my prayers, which is really what I felt like was kind of a decade of my life, Like because I was crying out for God to make the world a safe place. Mm-hmm. 
And then in, in verse 3, he says, yet you are holy. And um, that's really what, what had to happen for me is just this concept of agreeing with God that he's holy, even though a bad thing happened, I became a freak because of it. You know, I, I felt like I, you know, looking back now, I lost a lot of joy that decade that I was afraid. Mm-hmm. I just did. Yeah. And I, gratefully, God healed me before I totally infected my children. Well, that was what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. When do you think, do, are your kids old enough to remember pre-transformation and post of like God changing you and that? My oldest, my son is, um, he, so that, that started, that healing process started when he was about five. And so he had a good four or five years of me being hyper diligent, vigilant mommy, Uh you know? Um, and then, you know, it's like God started breaking the fear off, but I had patterns of anxiety and fear. So like they were regimented. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. It took. He he flushed out my mind, but it took a while for me to start recognizing how widespread the fear issue was. And so, you know, I I mean, I would say that, so Will was for, probably in kindergarten, um, you know, I would say for the next couple, four years, mm-hmm. I was tons better. Yeah. Because I recognized and I confessed. Confession is liberty. It's agreeing with God about what's going on. And so I confess. So when you would feel this coming up in your soul, you would confess that that you were not trusting God. Oh gosh, yeah. And yeah. I would say, and I would speak truth over it. I would mm-hmm. say in a million times, like if I was doing the whole sitting in a theater, that fear starts uh-huh. whispering in your ear. I would say, "Yet yeah, you are holy." Yeah, yeah. I would say it out loud, and or I. Or when the invasive, like weird, freakish things come up, like you're just sitting there enjoying the weather, and then all of a sudden, you have this image or this thought that something bad is happening to one of your children, mm-hmm. and you have no evidence that anything at all is going on, but yeah. you just have it's like impending doom, right? You just I, always, I, you're always waiting for the shoe to fall. Yeah, yeah. But what I do is just literally say now out loud. I'm like, no. Because what I realized is I used to think those were like little what-if signals, like, oh, my gosh, what if this is really happening right now? Yeah. And now what I realize they are is they're whispers from the enemy. They're just, it's exactly what he did with Eve in Genesis. Hmm. He made a suggestion, a subtle suggestion, hey, maybe God's holding out on you. Uh And then she goes, yeah, I think he is. And that's how subtle it is with the with the fear that the enemy whispers yeah. to us. Yeah. He goes, "Oh my gosh, what what if something's happening to your daughter right now?" Yeah. And then this horrible your worst idea comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you and then you go. And then if you cave and collapse into that, you're just on the way. Mm. I mean, to becoming a freak. And so what I do is say no out loud if I have to. Just no. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. That's stupid. And then speak scripture over it that's yeah. specific to the instance that's happening. Yeah. So, I mean, that's so beautiful, and I'm going to remember that forever. But when you talk about the the years that you were changing, your son was probably nine or something, what would you say if someone's listening and they're like, I understand everything Susie's saying. I feel this way. I feel this fear about my kids. I feel like I have to control them so that I know that they're okay. Mm-hmm. 
what would you say to them? I mean, you just explained like how you fight that, but how did that look different? Like, give me an example of how something was different when you're parenting a five-year-old out of fear or you're parenting them without having to worry about that and trusting God. Um, okay. So are, are you talking about from my perspective yeah, or uh-huh. the child? Yeah, okay, for you. From mine. Okay. So I would say it's, you know, um, letting your child go to someone's house. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you feel really good. You have a good feeling about this family. You know that they're, you know, you've never heard anything right. to give you any reason to uh-huh. not think this family is a great family. And um, as the days getting, the play date's getting closer, you just start like riding the brakes. Like you don't even, it's like I said, it's, it's a, it's just almost a, it's a whisper. It's like a, yeah. a what if, what if you allow them to go and then, so, and then, yeah. and then, uh-huh. and then, yeah. and then you're hyperventilating. And you have no reason to think any nothing, of this. Yeah. Nothing. And yeah. this is the thing I've learned in, in retrospect. God doesn't, doesn't warn us by scaring us. He doesn't warn us by scaring us. I've had, I, I have the gift of um, discernment, and I've had discernment wash over me in the least expected place, and I've never felt frightened by it. Mm. Fear always terrifies you into action. Yeah, It makes you think you've got to, you start your breathing, get shallow. You have a physiological response. When you have those thoughts, your body starts reacting to it. And you get bathed in stress. And then you start reacting out of stress. It's like you become an animal. It's almost impulsive. You tighten up. Your face looks different. You're looking at your child. You're, you're mentally planning how you're going to pull out of this play date. Right. You know? I mean, you're like going through, you're racing yeah. on the inside. And your child's just sitting there and, you know, you're tightening their grip on the child's arm. That is fear, mm. you know. Yeah. And if you're not big enough to to go through the play date, then fine, break the play date. But by all means, be honest with your child in a way that's appropriate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you know that's something else. Like we we're, we're just really big proponents of of being honest with our kids. And I think you can be honest with a five year old and say, you know what, mommy deals with a lot of weird fear. And that's not from God. And I'm out. You know what? We're going to pray about this because God can heal me. Hmm. And in recognizing that when you let fear drive a decision like that and you pull out of the play date, that there's a repercussion for your child. Right. Right. You know, so you have to weigh it. Like, do you want to be the freak Uh or do you want to live in faith? Yeah. Faith is walking on top of God's promises. That's what my 22-year-old said, or my 25-year-old said this week. It's walking on top of them. Mm-hmm. You know, we believe, we have, we always talk about God's promises and faith and all these big hoo-ha, but I mean, it's like putting your whole body on top of what God said and believing that He can bear the weight of you yeah. and your life mm-hmm. and your kids. Yeah. It's good, Shauna. I just said, Shauna, you know why I said Shauna? Because I'm reading the front of your cover. It says, Susie takes you by the hand and leads you to a better way of living. I'm thrilled that you call me Shauna. Well, it's because I was reading that. I I really do know your name. That's awkward. Um, But I was reading the front of your cover and it says that. You're right. She endorsed it, which was lovely. Which is lovely. Yes, but it does. She said, Susie takes you by the hand and leads you to a better way of living. And I did appreciate that. Um, This is the only book I've read of yours. Um, But I did feel as though I was walking with you through this. 
Yeah, I think this was different than the other books I've written. Um, I, and, you know, every book is kind of an experience and a journey. Um, I didn't know what I was doing when I wrote the first book. It's a joke. I mean, it's what good. It's book? good. It's called The Time of Your Life. Okay. And um, But I had no idea what I was doing. Remember, I didn't know how to open a Word yeah. doc. Like, I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. Um, and someone told me, quote, a lot of really smart people will make you look smart. That's and I was hilarious. like, so I was like, where's C.S. Lewis, man? I better quote him all the time. <laughs> like, where is he? You got Lewis and Spurgeon and all kinds <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Everybody but me. Um, but this book is very, it's the book I waited to write all my life. Like I always, I always wanted to write a book. I always felt like God mm-hmm. would let me. And this did feel like a journey with you. Yeah, and it's very it's it's chronological. This story is I kind of walk through, and it was the hardest one to write. It was so hard to write. Going back, it's like you're going back into the mess that you've already like kind of closed the door on, and then you've got to go sift through it again. Yeah, and and it's 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 just a reminder of. I mean, it was beautiful though, because like I I remembered things. Or I, or I saw for the first time things that I was like, oh, my gosh, God did it again. Like, he left me in a, another love note, and yeah. I never saw it till yeah. now. Um, he's just good. And it's just like a really, really good relationship um, that you get to look at again and again. And God, the nuances and the layers of love from God, it's just like you, you can't get to the end of it. So writing this was definitely a journey in that. And it was chronological, so you kind of see how I was, you know, moving down the line. Yeah. Which, if you're a fear, it might be helpful because you can maybe see yourself in some of my story. Well, it was great. So I highly recommend everyone that well, is thank listening. You. Unafraid is what it's called, and it is a journey, and it was really, really good. So thank you for writing it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that with you, us because I know that was hard. Oh no! So it hard. Was- it was good. It was a gift to, to be able to do it. Yes. Okay. So I want to talk to you about having grown children. Yeah. Because it's I mean, fun. my oldest is 11 <laughs> and my youngest is seven. And wow. for the first time ever, I will say this, it, within the past two years, for the first time ever, am I really understanding what they say, what they mean when they say it goes by so fast. Right. Because when they're little, it seems to go by at a snail's pace. You're like, yes. These, I'm, I'm not a good little kid mom. And so the years when I had like a seven-year-old, two five-year-olds, and a three-year-old, like those years, I sometimes ask God to remove memories from my children's brains. Like just let <laughs> them remember like the one time we made cookies or something because it was not a fun time for me. Just get those pictures out. Too. Right. And I'm going to put them all over their room so that's what yeah. they will remember. But what I, but what Aaron and I are feeling now with our oldest being 11 and our youngest seven is like, we're really liking this. Yes. And I mean, and there's the seven sometimes like she's a, it's a girl and she, there's drama involved a lot. And so that I'm sure that's going to get worse, but all that to say, this is fun. I think that, you know, zero to five to seven, you're just like totally physically exhausted. Yeah. And then 11, 12 to like. 21, 22, you're just like, it's a different game. It's emotional. Yeah. It's, it's very <laughs> different because the stakes are different. You know, the stakes are a lot yes. higher. Yes. Um, and though the years you're in right now are just like, I feel like they're breather years in some ways. I mean, not everybody, but I mean, I think that they're pretty independent. Uh-huh. You know, they're not driving or dating. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to cry. Check check. Yeah, I know. Um, but it really, you know, 
I, gosh, I love my people. And like, they're just, there are, I see glimpses of my 22 year old. I see little pieces of her five-year-old self in her still. Um, but she's so different and she's so much fun and she's, you know, this human, this person I would choose to be really good friends with if I could. And I, I mean, that's the fun part. The hard part, Jamie, I'll tell you, and I'm just walking through it is just, um, this mothering thing is just, you're, it's very different. It's very different to be a mother-in-law and I don't know how to do that because I've never done it. I'm only doing it. I've only been doing it for like a year and a half. Well, there's no how-to books out there about no. this. No. And I'm like, someone write me a book uh-huh. so that I can be. But isn't that what we do in every phase? Like we just want someone to tell us one, two, three, how to do it. Yes. And the truth is it's really just. One foot in front of the other, figuring it out as you go. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. 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 Well, you, I do get a sense from following you on social media that you do love your people. I love them. And I, just, I love that about you. And I need you to tell me how to make sure that that happens, that my people will love me and I will love my people and we'll have Sunday dinner. Like, <laughs> I need this to happen. <laughs> I think, you know, one thing I do think is I think that you can't be a fearful mother and have a good relationship mm. because, and so for me, that was such a huge piece of my curriculum with God is like, Letting my kids be, you know, letting them be. And, you know, that that was a huge thing is just not trying to hyper-control them. Um, and I'm so grateful I had a son first because he, ever the man at like 12 years old, he kind of put his metaphorical hand in my face and was like, Mom, get back. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> and And it was appropriate. I mean, uh-huh. and it was... It was, and, and not that I wasn't controlling then, but I was trying to mother him. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, mother him in maybe the same way he needed mothering when he was five. Yeah, it's it hard to transition. Yeah. It looks different. Like, you know, I wanted to make him breakfast every morning and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, he didn't talk in the morning. Like, he was like, don't, <laughs> don't talk to me. Just don't. Um, so I was really, Will trained me well. I always tell him that. I'm always like, oh, I'm so glad you're my first because you just trained me how to like back off a little bit and let people breathe, you know, don't, don't, don't hug me so tight. Um, but, but that's important I think is, is letting him be. And, you know, your kids, we're ministry families. And another piece is for me was like, I was fiercely protective of my kids not over-volunteering at church. Mm. Um, and when they got to be teenagers, like if they want to go to church with their friends, I was like, by all means go like, don't feel like, and and not worry about, I was like, if someone was like, where's Will or where's Emily? I'm like, oh, they're with their friends Mm -hmm. at their church or whatever. Like, but my whole goal was for my kids to love God with all their heart, all their life yeah, and to love the church Uh, because I feel like that's important. Mm -hmm. And so in order to love God and love his church, you have to be really careful. And I don't think this is just a ministry, like a pastor's wife. I think it's anybody who's like really loves God and loves the church and volunteers and gets all into that. You know, you have to let your kids, they have to breathe. And kind of find their own way too. 
Yeah, that's yeah. why you let them go to church with their friends or let them go to Young Life uh-huh. or do Campus Crusade or sometimes sleep in Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, and I and I would step in between someone saying something to them about that. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Because our big goal is not to please you or them to be at your small group meeting or whatever. Our big goal is like when they're 90, we want them loving God and yeah. loving the church. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so for me, that was huge too. Um, but my dad taught me something really important. He, our whole big old extended families in town and, and we're a tight group. Like we can be, (laughs) we see each other a lot. Uh Um, but he's been really good about like, he's like, let them, everybody needs to decide what's good for them. Kind of an open policy. Like if we all have dinner and some people can't make it, that's okay. Yeah. We're not going to have a lot of expectations like that because uh-huh. I think that's what makes people not want to come. So is that is that hard for you or is that a, is that an easy thing for you to kind of well, hold everything open-handed? It's it's hard because and as they get more independent and they get married, you want them more. You don't want them less. Yeah. But you see them less. And so Christmas and Thanksgiving or whatever become kind of like you could get freaked out about not being with them, uh-huh. but you 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 have to talk yourself down and go. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna be that. I'm yeah. gonna be the person they want to be around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're gonna. It's all gonna get when you start getting grandbabies. I know. Okay. So I have a real dilemma. I mean, I'm really, really upset that I don't know what my grandma name's going to be. Wait, let's stop for just a second. Are you close to having grandbabies? No. Okay. I, and I have to, this is something else I can't do, like talk about it right. to them because they know my girls and one of them's not even married and I'm already talking about my grandma. Name. <laughs> you know, like, she's dating someone. So like, you know, in my mind, they're practically married, but I'm like, yeah, this grandma name, I think I'm, you know, I could be I, I I just am really looking forward to that place, uh-huh. which I didn't think I would be, and I just am. I just cannot wait to get my hands on a child again. I mean, I'm so. Just do you like, have choices? Do you need us to weigh in here? Oh, I totally do. No, okay. So my kids, um, whenever they had their friends over, their friends always called me Mama Sue's, and I'm like, oh, I, that's it. That's my uh-huh. grandma. Name. Yeah. And my daughter was like, no, you cannot be Mama. Anything you have to be something different, and I was like, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, Emily, you're breaking my heart. (laughs) She's like, So, we're we're going down the line, you know. We've done, um, my my sister is Linda, and and her kids, her grandkids call her Lulu, which is darling. So, we thought about Susu, Suzu, or Uh or and you know, my kids, of course, are like. No, the kid's going to decide, and they're going to call you glop, glop, or whatever. <laughs> whatever comes out of their mouth. And I'm like, no, I'm programming this We'll in. tell them what to say. I will tell that. I will teach that yeah. child to say it. <laughs> I always love the people who have the, like, out of the, like, normal names. Like, yeah. Suzu or whatever. Like, that's yeah. always fun to me. And, I, and whenever I hear, when I'm, I remember growing up, and I would hear my friends call their grandparents that, I always think, that's so cool. But then I remember as a kid, I always thought, but they can't ever find cards with that on it. And that's <laughs> funny that I thought that as a kid. Now, I, you know, you can't find the T-shirt that says, my best Suzu or whatever. Um that wouldn't matter That's to me weird. now, but I remember thinking that as a kid. Yeah, you're like, wait, there's no Hallmark. There's card. no Hallmark card for you. It doesn't there's even no frame, work. Nothing. Yeah, no. 
No, oh. I, I'm very, I'm like, y'all can be in deep prayer about my grandma. <laughs> Do all of your kids live here in Austin? No, two are here in Austin and one, um, and then Will and his wife, Amy live in Denver. Oh, so they're away. They're away. Okay. And but Colorado is a good state. Yeah, we don't mind that. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So was that hard when your baby moved off? Um, well, he, you know, that was our son. Yeah. So he had already trained me. Remember when he oh, was yeah, 12? That's right. He's like, yeah. I'm good. Because <laughs> I'm good, uh-huh. mom. Yeah. Um, but we let, I mean, the greatest thing about, about that is his, um, sweet wife, Amy just is adorable and loves our family and she's just precious. So it's just, it's really good. Okay. I need to ask you this though. And yeah. don't, don't say anything that would incriminate any of your kids or anything, but I have this fear that my kids are going to start dating, and what if I don't like who they're dating? I mean, what do I do? Do I just sit back and take it? Do I tell them? Did you ever? Did you have to ever have to cross this bridge? You know, it's funny. Our kids, my kids, didn't do a lot of dating around, and then when they finally ended up, and I don't know why, because I dated like crazy when I was in high school, and so did my husband before we got married, Uh obviously, but um. They didn't do a lot of crazy dating. Okay, so and... what did you do? Because I don't want my kids to do crazy dating either. <laughs> Tell us, Susie. I I'm going to give crazy. you I ten crazy steps. Too. Yes, and then write a book. To follow, and I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be a bestseller because <sighs> you're going to follow these, and I'm going to promise you that your kid will never date a freak. But if all of your kids didn't date around, there's something happening at the Davis house. I don't. You know what? I mean, wouldn't that be great if we could just figure out how to work it <sighs> so that. <laughs> I'm always afraid I'm not going to like girlfriends. And I think that might yeah, just be what, my, and that might be a control like, issue as well. Yeah, where, where's that coming from? I think it's a control thing. Why? I don't know. But like, okay, so you said you were, you had some fear issues. Uh-huh. Why, like, where is that, where's that starting, I guess is what I want to ask. Uh, like, where's where that? I'm not going to like their girlfriends. Yeah. What, why in the world would you even think that? Why wouldn't you be thinking, See, isn't that a bad this thought? kid is the most awesome thing and he's going to bring home the most darling girl I've ever seen. Okay. I'm going to change my thinking right now. Yeah. Why are you fearing that? Why am I thinking my kids are going to have bad girlfriends? They're great kids. Your sons, your sons are going to have bad girlfriends. That's Maybe. Maybe I remember when I was a teenager. Yeah. And maybe Come on I now, wouldn't want my kids it. to date me. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Were you a wild girl? Oh, I was crazy, yeah. Oh, well, that, honestly, that, Jamie, that probably is uh-huh. what it is. I mean, I, I always said I wasn't crazy. Like, I knew people, you know how you are. You're like, well, at least I don't do that. I mean, I was like, I never did drugs. That was like my saving grace all the time. I'm like, well, I don't do drugs. But um, I think I I wasn't that I was, well, okay, maybe I was crazy. I just, I didn't know Jesus either. And so. And look how you turned out. I know. You're awesome. I got a great man. I know. You know Um, what? Might be, there might be a piece of that in your history. I know. Thank you for this counseling session right now. Digging it out. <laughs> oh, but you know what? It's so funny. I need to think more about this, and I don't want to talk anymore about it because I'm not. But we had a we had a friend once who was like younger, a lot younger than us, in dating, and for no reason at all, I didn't like his girlfriend. Why? What's wrong with Aaron? Used to look at me and be like, "What is wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't think she's good enough for him," and I have no idea why I thought that. 
That's interesting. Look at me. I know. Should, we should talk later <laughs> off, <laughs> off the not on the time. podcast. Yeah, maybe at happy hour, real uh, happy a hour. Real happy we can hour. talk about this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? That was good, Susie. I am going to, from now on, be like, my, I'm going to raise great boys that are going to pick great girls. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be thinking that? Like, yes. the odds are in your favor. Yes. Y'all are cool people. You love Jesus. Yeah. You live in Austin. I mean, there's just the odds are in your favor that okay. all your kids are going to find awesome kids. I'm switching my thinking right now. Yeah, I should. That That's is so good. true. I have no idea why I've never thought that, what you just said. This, this is a monumental day for me right now. I'm just <laughs> letting you know. <laughs> I'm going to call. I'm going to send my son. He's not here with me this week. I'm going to call and be like, you know what? I trust you. You're going to pick a great girl. Okay. And he's going to be like, Mom, I'm 11. (laughs) No, and that is part of it. Actually, that's what will, you know, I think that's, I think that's what boys do too when they decide. So is he still kind of a mama's boy or? He's not necessarily a mama's boy by any means, but he definitely is not like, I mean, he's 11 for the love. I mean, he's a little kid. Yeah. Um, So he hasn't stood up and said, I'm a man, please back down. (laughs) No, not yet. Yeah, you. it would be really great for you to hash this out before that happens. <laughs> before I go in a corner and start crying? Well, no, I'm just saying because, like, I think that it would be such an empowering thing for him as a young man to feel like you already know that he's going to pick somebody fabulous who loves Jesus and who, whose heart's in the right place. Like, yeah, that's huge for him to know that before mm-hmm. he's even thinking girls are great. Yeah. You know, that is empowering because when you think about it, anytime you go out and do something, if someone automatically thinks that you're going to screw up. Yeah, it can become a self-imposing thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is good. Yeah. This is really good. So your (laughs) youngest daughter is not married and she's at UT, right? She's at UT and she's dating this awesome, great guy that we just adore. Awesome. Yeah. She's a junior or she's going to be a senior actually. Did you go to Texas? Um, For a couple months. Okay. Yeah, I went to like 17 schools. Not really. I went to like six. I went to three. Oh, uh-huh. we should talk. I know. <laughs> it took me like six and a half years to graduate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was and then the, like 196 hours or yep, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah, and I'm still paying school loans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it took Aaron seven. Okay. And he, There's did, nothing he wrong only with went that. to one school. That'll tell you something right there. Oh, wow. So yeah. he was having fun. Yeah, and switching majors and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he went full-time for seven years. <laughs> wow, bless his parents. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, did Will, your husband, go to Texas? No, Baylor. Okay, we oh, Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, and then he went to, um, got his, you know, doctorate and all that. So he, he was in school for a very long time. Yeah. Yes. Okay, awesome, awesome. We always, like, we, I always tell my kids, I'm like, you can go to college wherever you want, but deep inside, I hope they stay in Texas somewhere, you know. Yeah, no, I do. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what do you have planned for the rest of the summer? Colorado. Nice. We have a cabin up there, uh-huh. a family cabin. And then we'll do a big Frio trip with my side of the family in Lakey, Texas, which we've been doing since we were little kids. Aww. I know, really fun. Just small town Texas. Mm-hmm. That's a great place that has do not been disrupted. Do you like rent a cabin or what do you do? Yeah, there's like... We get, we have so many people. We rent like seven cabins. Okay, yeah, and just and hang just, out on the river. Yeah, play cards. Yeah, eat, talk, just you know, thrift, go antique. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Yeah, and then um, my niece is getting married, and just you know, that's that's about it. Just a really fun kind of laid back summer. That's great. 
So yeah. wonderful. Well, this has been a great time. I'm glad to talk about your book and I'm glad to figure out how I can love my sons better by trusting them, <laughs> trusting them with their choice of girlfriends. I'm so excited for them. I know. And for you. I know. I'm really excited. I really do. This sounds really dumb, but I really do feel like that five minute conversation we just had has like sparked off a light bulb in my brain that I never thought about. So thank oh, you. Bad. Well, you know, we all live and learn, right? I know. I'm going to call Aaron and be like, I trust the kids. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I trust them. <laughs> They're going to do okay. <laughs> That's the greatest. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, okay, for real, thanks for joining me on the happy hour. It's been so fun. And you and I need to do a real life happy hour. I would love to. It would be my pleasure. Guys, I told you that you would absolutely love Susie. Wasn't there so many things in there that she said that you're like, I have to write this down right now? Well, guys, I wrote down a couple of them for you. If you're looking for anything that we talked about, head on over to my website, jamieivy.com. I've put a link to all of her books, any book we talked about, any conversation we've had. I even put a few quotes over there that she said. All of her social media is there. Go give her a follow because you will love her. Guys, I also have to tell you that for a good 10 to 15 minutes after our conversation, we sat and dissected still my worries about not liking not liking my son's girlfriends wasn't that just the craziest thing where I just came to this realization oh my gosh why wouldn't I like them I'm raising young men who love the Lord who are going to be great young men in society of course I'm going to love the girl they picked anyhow I still giggle when I think about it because Susie was like having this little counseling session for me off air it was wonderful that's how awesome she is guys Susie's giving away a book and so I'm super excited go follow me over on Instagram it's at Jamie Ivy that's where I'm going to tell you how you can win the book this is going to run from Sunday all the way to Wednesday so if you are binge listening sorry you missed it but I'm glad you're here I want to say thanks to our sponsor Raven and Lily love their stuff I wore a necklace of theirs to church today actually love it so much I also want to say thank you guys for listening and I'll tell you who's coming up next we have a lot of good guests coming up Jen Sprinkle is going to be here next week. And she's just an amazing entrepreneur who lives in Dallas that I just want to sit and pick her brain a lot. So she's coming up next week. And then my 50th episode will be after that. And I have Jen Hatmaker back on. We had a blast chatting. And you're going to love her. We have great stuff to give away. So it's going to be my 50th show, which I'm pretty proud about and excited. Thank you guys that have been here since the get-go. Y'all are so fun. Also, I'm going to be talking to Emily Freeman. She has a new book coming out. We're going to chat about that. Kirsten Dickerson will be here, the founder of Raven & Lily. And my friend Jillian Lauren, I'm going to be interviewing her again, and I'll tell you why I had to do it again. Wah, wah. It was like my first failure as a podcaster. I lost the interview, and I have to do it again. Oh. Anyhow, she's amazing, and I've raved about her book all over social media this summer, so I hope you've gotten a chance to read it, everything you ever wanted. Anyhow, guys, I love hearing from you. Send me a tweet. It's at Jamie underscore Ivy. Find me on Instagram, at Jamie Ivy. Especially find me now because I'm giving away a copy of Susie's book. But guys, I really love hearing from you. The feedback is amazing. I love the questions. I try to answer them with you guys. Check out my blog, jamieivy.com. And guys, just thanks for being here. It is a, it is my joy to do the happy hour. It is literally my favorite thing in the world. And so, and when my real life friends stop me and they're like, hey, I listened to this show and I loved it. Or I think you should have this person on. And some of you guys have asked for women that are, have older kids. And this is what this was, Susie Davis. She's just an amazing woman that can be such a such someone for us to look up to. So, guys, thanks for listening. I've talked enough. Have a great week. See you later. Hey. 
Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.